and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witchbuster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Friday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke Show, a football Friday, Wolf. We got the Suns playing tonight. We got the World Series wrapping up this weekend. Got ASU playing UCLA tomorrow. You got to love it right now, right? Here we go, moving well into the November not December, ladies and gentlemen, not October either. We're moving into November right now, which can only mean, of course, baseball is, oh no, no, baseball is not over. The World Series continues, does it not? Just not tonight. Uh, we also have hockey, but if you want to go see the the, uh, the NHL team in person, you got to wait like nine months now. Okay. I, I looked this up. I was just telling Vince this. The uh, the Suns. I, I compared the Suns schedule to the Coyote schedule, right? Yeah. You look at the Suns. Like, they've got some road games coming up, and they kind of bounce back and forth. They have a couple, like, one-game road trips. They play 10 home games before the next Coyotes home game. Oh, my goodness. In addition I, to all I, the road games. You know, I, honestly, that's why I asked Barry the other day when we were talking to him. I asked him, have you ever, have you ever been on a 14-game road trip? I can't even imagine that, man, especially in the game of hockey. 14-game road trip. Yeah. Wow, that's brutal. You'll have to imagine it because now it's reality. It's reality. All right, let's uh, start with the Cardinals facing Seattle in a game. The deeper we get into this week, Wolf, the harder it is for me to, to to convince myself anything other than they have to win this game I'm you know I'm not going to go down the must win label I think it's got to be deep into the second half of the season before you say must win if they lose this game there's still a way they make the playoffs I get that but if they lose this game realistically they're not making the playoffs there's just I just don't see any way around that it's it's not just losing it's Seattle winning and so then you're trying to run down every team in the division and you'd be three games behind Seattle but they would also have the tiebreak like they got to win this game you got to figure out a way to win this game and I actually I feel like it's kind of winnable I really do no, for the I'm, Cardinals I'm with you on that one I really am and I think there's a lot of people out there that would say the exact same thing uh, they're favored you are playing at home they're favored for the crying out loud that right there you're telling me Vegas actually favors them. Yeah, I don't know that favor the Cardinals. I just think they can win this game. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you're not ready to go there with a favorite thing, but you're willing to I say they can win the it. Favorite. No, I, listen, it, it is a winnable game. It is. Um, but if that's going to happen, there's a couple of things that has to transpire for the Arizona Cardinals. First of all, can I just say this? I think it's going to be a fundamental game. When, when, when you think of fundamental football, when you think of the last time they actually faced each other right now, the Seattle Seahawks, they put Geno Smith in a very balanced offense. That's what they do. They run the ball. They keep him in a very balanced offense. And the Arizona Cardinals were not able to run the ball against the Seattle Seahawks, even though the Seattle Seahawks had struggled mightily to stop anybody from running the ball. One of the worst defenses at the time, they played them in week six, one of the worst defenses in the National Football League. They have righted the ship over the last three weeks in particular. Seriously, significantly righted the ship, the Seattle Seahawks. So this is going to be a fundamental game. What what are the fundamentals of the game of football? (laughs) Let's start with the most basic one, shall we? Okay. 
Don't turn the ball over. Okay, that's really, really good for you right there because ball security is number three. That's my number you have three. A number key. three. As a matter of fact, I've got three keys to the game. Yeah. Oh, okay, but not, keys. but not your third fundamental to the game. But no, I'm okay. saying right there, ball security. It's going to be critical. You know what else is going to be critical? Tackling. <laughs> Would you say that tackling is big? All right, you're going more fundamental. No, I, I honestly, this is what Pete Carroll does. This is what the Seattle Seahawks do. They emphasize the fundamentals. They put a priority on it. It is, listen, every coach does. Every coach is going to talk about blocking and tackling. Uh, ball security, those three things. But can I tell you right now that Pete Carroll, this is part and parcel to who he is and how his teams historically have gone out and played. Fundamentally sound football teams, Luke. Football teams that tackle. The last time the Arizona Cardinals played the Seattle Seahawks in week six, did you notice Kenneth Walker the third that was actually out on the field? Yeah, it was like a truck driving down the middle of the field, so it was kind of hard not to notice Kenneth he, Walker the third. Kenneth Walker the third made a lot of guys miss tackles. Made a lot of guys miss tackles and actually ran over some guys as well. Listen, this is what's got to happen. The Cardinals have got to come out and tackle better than the Seattle Seahawks tackle. Well, see, I remember going into the last game, and you don't typically say this about a team, but you were like, okay, at the time, you were like, I know Seattle's defense has struggled. Then I watched the film and realized they're not making tackles. Yes. And what's so frustrating to me from that game forward, Seattle, I remember talking about that game, like this is the game where the Cardinals can get right. Seattle can't tackle, they give up points, and it wasn't the Cardinals that got right. The Seahawks got right. They haven't lost yes. since before that Cardinals game. Yes. So if you're the Cardinals, like what you're saying, can't turn the ball over, I would even flip it around and say, make Geno turn the ball over. Geno hasn't had a bad game this no. year where he's been uncomfortable. He's done a great job. He really has um, the Seattle Seahawks offense. Um, a team that does not turn the ball over. As a matter of fact, number six in interception rate in the National Football League. And that's what Geno is doing. And make no mistake about it, Geno Smith is throwing the ball down the field as well. And when you got DK Metcalf and you got Tyler Lockett, that's kind of the thing you're going to do. You're going to throw it down. That, the field. That's what's weird because he really has done it all season. Except the Cardinals game. Remember, he really didn't attack them very much because they didn't really need to. Point. The Cardinals weren't scoring any points. But so if you've only watched the Seahawks this year when they played the Cardinals, you might think, okay, you know, real quiet offense. They're just getting, I mean, Seattle's been pretty good offensively. The yeah. Cardinals shut them down. And I think they realized they didn't have to attack as much because the Cardinals weren't doing anything offensively in that game. So again, I am stressing the fact that uh, Pete Carroll, he has very found, he has very sound fundamental football teams. That's what he has. And the way to beat the Seattle Seahawks, be better at the fundamentals than they are. Tackling is huge in the game of football. Ron Wolfley reporting. Um, I think we'd all say, yeah, it is. Well, Go back and look at the tape again. Kenneth Walker, the third, and how many Arizona Cardinals missed tackles on that guy? Um, they've got to tackle him because he's going to get the ball. <laughs> There's a little prediction for you. <laughs> They're going to give him the ball a lot. The first time Seattle hands off to Kenneth Walker, I'm going to be like, Wolf was right. <laughs> he saw this coming the whole way. But again, I'm making this point. I'm I'm doing it for a reason because they are fundamentally sound. 
It's, it is something that Pete Carroll, I know for a fact, after talking to a lot of the analysts up there in Seattle, this is what he harps on more than anything else. And it still is the, the part of the game that I don't think gets I- I- enough credit. There's a lot of people look at the big passing plays, a lot of people that look at the, the points, a lot of fantasy football guys like yourself that you. love it. But man, there's not a lot of people talking about blocking and tackling and blocking is number two. That was the number two key. You got to protect Kyler Murray. You have to do it. Now I understand you got three guys that are backups that are starting. So are you saying likely to start allowing six sacks again won't work this time against Seattle? I don't think so. Okay. And it's not just the six sacks, as you well know. It's also all the pressures and the people in Kyler Murray's face. you got to keep him clean. That's going to be hard to do. So what do you have to be able to do? Run the ball. And once again, that puts an onus. That puts an emphasis on the offensive line going out and playing well. And again, I understand you're talking about there could be three backups that are playing again depending on D.J. Humphreys and whether D.J. Humphreys is ready to go. Justin Pugh's not walking back in that door. He's not doing it. Rodney Hudson, who knows? Um, You need guys that are backups to go out and play well. And you've got to run the ball. You can't get in third and obvious pass situations. They've got to tackle. Then they've got to block. Those two things. I want to add two more things that have to happen. This feels like a game that's going to come down to kicking. It, it always does with the Seahawks. It would have last time if the Cardinals had Matt Prater, I think, because they basically left three field goal attempts out there, and they missed an extra point, and they lost by 10. The other thing is, um, and this is really not that's, within... That's a great point, Byer. Just don't blow over that. No, I know. Special teams, seriously. I mean, the last game, 19-9, right? Yeah. Very, very important. Special teams. Why? Because of field position. And I would also throw this out there. Um, get Buda Baker back, please. He's been on the injury report all week and not practicing. Yeah, that's okay. If there's ever a guy that doesn't need to practice yes. and still is going to go out and a- rip agreed. your face off in a game, it's Buda Baker. If there's Buda, ever a guy Buda, Buda. ever a guy that can do that, it's Buda. Yes. If there's ever a guy you have to have in this game, it's also Buda. Yes. He fits both of those categories. All right, we come back. DeAndre Ayton, probable to return tonight against the Blazers. So what could that bring to the Suns lineup? We're going to ask their broadcaster for Bally Sports, Kevin Ray. He joins us next for Game Day with K-Ray on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Pass it in from the corner. Wolf and Luke. Brings the ball. And catching bodies on his way to the rack. Sons, game day with K Ray. I'm ready for whatever. I'm ready for whatever. All right, Sons Blazers tonight. And then after that, Sons Blazers tomorrow night. It's <laughs> nothing but Blazer time. Man, that is. That is really odd, isn't it? And then they don't play them again until uh, next year. Actually, next season. Not next year. Next season. So this is it. If you want revenge on the Blazers for that loss on October 21st, you've got tonight and you've got tomorrow, both Footprint Center, and then the Suns and Blazers don't play again unless they play in the playoffs. Joining us right now in the Arizona Sports Line is Kevin Ray of Bally Sports for Game Day with K-Ray. K-Ray, what's going on, man? Well, it's happy Friday to you. It is a happy Friday. Yes, indeed. 
Uh, all right, we were just talking about the quirk in the schedule here. What's uh, <laughs> how did this happen? They play Portland three times in the first ten games, and then just never again. Yeah, look, we've seen that play out now over the last couple of years. Um, you know, last year the Suns had played Minnesota. Um, they got into December uh, having played Minnesota the entire slate. You know, didn't face the T-Wolves um, again the rest of the season. And that's the way a few teams schedule shake out. And, you know, I, I can't tell you how or why, uh, just kind of the scheduling uh, logistical matter, but you know we've seen these these home and home uh, setups, the back to back setups, uh, going back to really the the COVID year, and in an effort to to you know cut down costs, cut down on travel, um, cut down wear and tear on players' bodies. This is something that they have instituted, and I think for the most part, the guys like it. Um, it, it is somewhat odd to have it, you know, in a back-to-back. I know that we're going to be in New Orleans here in a few weeks uh, playing on a Thursday and a Saturday. Um, you know, and of course, good things can always happen when you're in New Orleans for extended periods of time. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So. Yeah, okay. Uh, no Dame Lillard tonight. That's kind of a big deal right there. How does that change the way the Suns are going to approach this? Well, they, they will take the approach, you know, as Monty has said, we're, we're planning on Dame playing. I think they understand that the likelihood is, is very slim to none, but they're taking that approach. Uh, look, this is, this is the team that's handed them their only loss of the season. And, uh, this, this Suns team is kind of petty like that. We, we saw that play out last year. They don't like to lose and they don't like to, to lose consecutive games to teams who have beaten them. Uh, that being said, this is a Portland team that really seems to have kind of settled in to Chauncey Billups now in his second year. And he's finding a nice rhythm as a head coach, making some changes, you know, defensively, a little bit offensively. And it's still his team, even without, you know, Dame Dalla. Uh, it, it's still a team that, that can be explosive. Uh, Anthony Simons now in his fifth year, I think, has shown uh, a young man who certainly deserving of that contract extension and he's coming into tonight's game back-to-back 30 plus point games and he hit you know the ultimate game winner uh, against the suns in that first meeting so the suns should come in uh with, with their radar on high alert talking to kevin ray at bally sports it's game day with k ray uh, k you just mentioned it right there portland's the only team that has beaten the suns this season and last year for sure that's something the suns would take notice of and they didn't even really hide it last year <laughs> they would say like yeah we you know we were out for revenge do you think they are still that way this year oh yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah because there's there's a couple of dudes on there in particular uh, who are like that. I don't know if you guys heard. I, I shared a great story the other night with uh, Devin Booker and, of course, his relationship with Carl Anthony Towns. But this just speaks to how competitive Book is. I, I guess, you know, his, his former teammate and a former Suns player, Tyler Eulis, had shared in an account not too long ago about just how competitive and, and petty Book was talking about when they would have tests and they would compare test scores and Book would say, you know, oh, Carl, you got a 90. Oh, wow, look at that. I, I got a 96. <laughs> that's, that's just the way Book operates. So I, I, I promise you, even though he had a big individual game, the fact that they lost that game, they were in a position to win it a couple of times, went to overtime and lost. Yeah, they're still very much like that.
So do you expect to see DeAndre Ayton play tonight? Uh, I do. We haven't gotten confirmation, but I think the fact that he went through a full practice yesterday, now, you know, we'll have a, a little more clarity probably after shoot around to determine if there was any lingering soreness, especially considering it, it is a back-to-back situation here before they head off on the road trip. But uh, I, I would I would say leaning towards D.A. being back on the floor tonight. Okay, right. It's still pretty early in the season. We're I mean, not even really three weeks in, so it's very early. But it, it seems like there are elements of this Suns team or their approach to this season that are different than, than they were last year. Maybe more of a focus, obviously, on the playoffs than the regular season after the way last year played out. Have you noticed that? Yeah, and it's, you know, I don't know that there's anything, Luke, that you can say, yeah, look at this, and and this is why. Um, But, you know, it's something that, you know, that we talked about as they came into this season. I just felt like based on the last two years' experiences in the playoffs, uh, they they had to kind of change the mindset a little bit. Um, and it makes sense. And look, that's that's what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to learn from your mistakes, learn from some of your failures. And I think that's what we're seeing from this team. In addition to guys improving their play, uh, three guys that we talked about, two in particular, Campaign and Landry Shamit, you know, have responded with bounce back seasons. Mm-hmm. And Torrey Craig, looking like the Torrey Craig that the Suns traded for in their run of the finals a couple of years ago. So those three guys, in addition to Jock Landale, have made a, a huge addition to kind of how this approach has looked through, you know, the first several games. You know, evaluate campaign for me because, once again, uh, this guy I thought was going to be the the critical part of that bench. Uh, the Passapar 2K, the key that unlocks all locks to the bench for the Phoenix Suns, I thought was going to be campaign, man. Talk about um, how he's played so far and where you think he needs to get better. Yeah, with with Cam, I think you're just seeing a a renewed confidence. Um, I talked to him a couple of weeks ago and just asked him about the off season and, and last season. And look, you know, he he wasn't shying away or running away from his struggles last year. Uh, but I did think it was interesting. He said he went back and he looked at every single. Uh, minute of every possession that he was on the floor last year. Uh, so he, he said he watched more game tape, game film than he ever has in his career. So that speaks to a guy that acknowledged, Hey, I struggled last year. I want to find out why and I want to find out how I can correct it. He was in the gym, in the lab, the majority of the offseason. And I think you're just seeing a guy who, you know, has kind of found his groove. You know, he's got a little bit more of that swagger, a little bit more of that juice that, uh, that you know, charged up the bench in the run of the finals a couple of years ago. And, you know, I think that there are still, when you talk about his improvement, there are still times when Cam can get sped up a little bit. And he acknowledged that, that his, if there's one word that he wants to really lock in on this season, it's being efficient. And I, I think that, that, you know, finding that consistency will be the next step for him. You know, string together several games where minimal turnovers and making an impact on the defensive end. But he's, he's getting very close.
Talking to Kevin Ray of Bally Sports, K. Ray, uh, Cam Johnson's performance against Minnesota, 29 points, seven threes. He's hit 14 threes uh, in the last three games. He's shooting 50% from three in the last three games. I, I, You know, to be fair, they're probably not expecting that of him all season, but that sure felt like a big step, and it feels like maybe he's in the middle of a big step to cementing uh, what they were hoping for from him in the starting lineup. Yeah, and look, Monty said as much. I know James Jones in his visit with the guys yesterday said as much. Um, and, and, you know, I think, again, people have to understand, you know, Cam is fitting into a new role. Yes, he had 16 starts last year, but it wasn't starting, you know, 16 straight games in a row. Uh, and EJ pointed this out early on that, you know, Cam's going to have to adjust to playing ones, you know, 25, 30 minutes a game versus in his previous stretches, you know, you're playing against twos. So I think that adjustment has come. Cam, Cam is, you know, as as smart a player as you're going to find on the floor for the Suns. But look, and again, this is no disrespect to Jay Crowder, but you're seeing why the Suns really had to make the decision to, to put Cam Johnson in as a starter. And the numbers are backing that up. And and I thought, and Monty pointed this out in the postgame the other night, and I said it a couple of times in a telecast, his defense the other night was was as good as his offense, you know. And it's hard to, to look at it, you know, statistically. But when you look at the way he played Carl Anthony Towns, forcing him to be uncomfortable most of the night, Carl got a lot of, you know, what folks would call empty stats late in the game. Uh, but to me, that's where Cam can continue to really polish his game is as a defender and continue to torture people on the offensive end, you know, by stretching the floor. Okay, Ray, great stuff as always, man. We always appreciate it. Thanks, Kay. You got it, fellas. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. That's Kevin Ray of Bally Sports calling in with game day with uh, Kay Ray right there. The Blazers tonight, the Blazers tomorrow, and then no more Blazers. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Could the Cardinals be on the verge of being the most scrutinized team in the National Football League? We'll explain why next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Wolf and Luke. Presented by 72 Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Back to football, and Wolf, we are going to have Steve Kime joining us in about 45 minutes. His name's come up quite a bit in the last few days. So he'll be joining us at 11.15. Thanks to K-Ray for joining us last segment. We're talking to Kellen Olsen later on in the show. we got a lot. (laughs) There's a lot going on here on a a Friday, but it is a football Friday, and the Cardinals are playing the Seahawks. And if this game goes the way you want, or honestly, even if it doesn't go the way you want, and you want to see some behind-the-scenes of this game and the week leading up to this game, you're going to be able to watch it, whether you're a Cardinals fan or a Cardinals hater or just an NFL fan fan starting Wednesday because Hard Knocks begins a week from this past Wednesday and we've talked about this since the summer Wolf about you know the different aspects this potentially brings to the season um, you know how it potentially impacts or doesn't impact the team but I think now that we are going into week nine and we have seen how this season has played out so far and the fact that they are three and five and how heavily scrutinized this team is locally like you would expect but even a little bit more so nationally, I think it's worth revisiting for the simple fact that 
You could make a case starting Wednesday the Cardinals are going to be the most scrutinized team in the NFL. No doubt. And when you are the most scrutinized team in the NFL, you are the most scrutinized team in sports. Yes, no doubt about that. Um, Okay, we all know the assault on the integrity of the locker room begins. We we all know that. (laughs) It's not what they call it, though. Once again, for me, that's, that's the thing that bothers me as a former player. I'm never, ever going to apologize or regret um, saying that I'm not because as a former player, man, I want to be able to walk around in my workplace in the game of football and the football universe. And I want to be able to go about my business every, every moment of every day. I want to be able to do that. And I don't want to worry about a camera that might be on or a microphone that is hot right now. That's just me. Okay. Now I get it. Once again, how many times do I got to say for the fans, this is, this is gold. This is this is great stuff. The overreactions are going to be. I mean, the overreactions are already going on with this for team. the organization. If you go out and you win during this time, mm-hmm. and there's no blow ups or anything like this, boy, it's going to be fantastic as well. Where do you get that kind of coverage? You don't. For it to start with a three game stretch against the Seahawks, Rams, and Forty ers do, do you see any? I mean, <laughs> that's lining up right now for this to begin at this point where you know you're looking at it and you've got Cliff Kingsbury talking about framing it up, this three-game window that exists for the Arizona Cardinals, the the fact that you've got to look at it and say, man, this is a great opportunity, and it starts with one week at a time. But you got to frame it up nonetheless for your team and say, this is it, boys. This is, this is a great opportunity to change our season well, right here. It works both ways because you're, you're right. I mean, if the Cardinals go on a and run now here. all of a sudden there's going to be cameras and microphones everywhere. actually hanging from those windows. I mean, they're already there. They're, they're, and, I'm, and I'm sure to a certain extent they've probably been there for a few weeks. That's. I'm interested to see how this how it starts because they always kind of start, they, they zoom in on one thing to begin, and especially when you're beginning the whole series. Are they going to start with Kyler and Cliff on the sidelines Thursday Night Football? I guarantee you they referenced that. I guarantee you they had cameras somewhere. If not, they could just pull the footage. Uh, you know, are they going to start all the way back in the off season with the drama there? Are they just going to start with Cliff talking to his team about Seattle? Because for anybody that didn't watch Hard Knocks in season last year, the way it basically worked was it was you know half the focus was on the game. That just happens or, you know, a good chunk of the focus was on the game that just happened. And then a good chunk of the focus is on the game that's coming up because it's airing on Wednesday. They turn it around so quickly that the first episode is going to focus heavily on Sunday's game against the Seahawks. Okay, And then you'll start to get into like, okay, how are you preparing a little bit, I guess, for the Rams? But a lot of it really is like how it basically goes back a week. Starts on like Wednesday. How did you prepare for the Seahawks? What did you do against the Seahawks? We'll see you next week. That's what it's going to be. Yeah. And we got some sound, do we not? We have some sound from some players. This is what I want to, I want to hear from the players, the guys that are actually going to be affected by this. And when I say this too, Basin audience, just understand, I get it, man. I was in a locker room in 1985, <laughs> 1985 to 1995. Um, things have changed. Would you say that? Uh, people respond differently. Players respond differently. Um, nowadays. You only missed hard knocks by a few years. I think it started in 01. Yeah, but it was all training camp, right? It yeah. was all training. Yeah, it's all been training camp, camp until last year. Exactly yeah. right. So once again, I recognize the fact that there are a lot of guys inside this locker room for the Arizona Cardinals who see this as an opportunity. 
There are a lot of players inside that locker room that see this as a good thing. It's a little bit different, though, when you are in the stress of the season. Like, I can tell you just from watching past preseason ones, you know, Dallas a couple years ago, a lot of it was Zeke and Dak, and they were just living it up. It's, you know, it's pre, it's not even preseason when it starts. It's just training camp. They obviously know they're on the team. They were kind of the stars of that one. Some of the years, it is more of a focus on the rookies, but when you get in season, it, I, these guys are, I mean, they're not, they're not seven and one this year, you know. They're three and five. Yeah. I, I I get wanting to play up to the camera for some guys, but I don't know how that's going to play. You know, with the, the fan thing. Hey, this guy's having a ton of fun, and they're three and six. Like I don't know. There's just there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on this team. Here's Byron Murphy yesterday talking about whether or not he notices the hard knocks cameras. Uh, I do notice it a lot, but you know, me, I'm kind of just you know coming in here every single day ready to work. And like you said, this position we're in, you know, we just got to keep going. And there's nothing else to say about it. We got to take this under our belts and just keep going. What I was going to say is it does work both ways, Wolf. If the Cardinals go on a run, a lot of these guys are really going to start to get hyped up. Like, Buda Baker is such a big deal here. Yeah, How right. big of a deal is he nationally? I, mean, I think people get it, but I there are going to be players on the Cardinals that become fan favorites across the country, yeah. depending on how the rest of the season Especially goes. Especially when you're talking about Buda Baker. Yeah. Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson, those two guys right there, uh, their personalities, their character, and how they play the game of football, I think um, there's going to be a lot of people that say, man, I, I these two guys are awesome. Yeah, they're they're... Their profiles will increase, no doubt about that. And there's other guys out there. Now, listen, I'm not saying Buddha and Jalen. Those two guys, those are guys that I honestly believe don't even care about the cameras. I, I, that's why those, I think they'll stand out. Those are guys that I honestly believe will will just, they're not going in there to try to increase their tr- uh, Twitter followers. They're not going to do that. Okay, they're not going to, oh, we're going to take this opportunity. Your agent is telling you right now, hey, you got to go out there. Maybe you can start getting build endorsements. Your yeah, build your <laughs> brand, man. You can get some endorsements. That are, Buda Baker is going to be impervious to that. I, I totally believe that. I agree Jaylen with you. Thompson, imperv- impervious. I think Buddha's going to be impervious to it, and I think he's going to be one of the, maybe the star of the show, quite honestly. Don't you think? Yes. Because DeAndre Hopkins has done this before on the Texans. Uh, I'm sure they'll try and play up Cliff. I don't know what they're going to do with Kyler. Like I said, that's the most fascinating thing to me is, is are we going to find out anything about Kyler Murray, the yeah. person? Um, you know, JJ Watt, I'm sure will, will be, you know, that's, that's a well known character across the league anyway. But I think Buddha is going to be the one that ends up becoming more of a household name nationally. Not like he's not already, but like people yeah, will understand right. what he's about more. And I don't think it's going to be done intentionally at all. And I also like the fact, I think Byron Murphy right there said, you know what, I, I will notice the camera. Didn't he say that in the very beginning? Yeah, I think he said, I do notice him. Yeah, I do just, notice yeah. him. <laughs> you know, I love that honesty. Yeah. It is, you know. Yeah, I do. But, you know, what? I'm just going to go in and I'm going to focus on making sure I'm not doing anything differently. I'm just going to be myself. Skyler Murray on being in the spotlight. You got to be smart. You know, somebody's always watching. Um, you know, never really want to give anything, anybody, anything bad to say about you, stuff like that. Um, yeah, I've, I've, you know, it's, it's nothing new for me. You know, it's kind of how I was raised. Um, treat people how you want to be treated, stuff like that. So. Just win, honestly. Well, yeah, treat people how you want to be treated too. But yeah. honestly, I mean, if you win, people aren't going to scrutinize this team if they win. 
if the Cardinals go on some sort of run here at the start of Hard Knocks, people are going to be like, I don't know why everybody's complaining about the Cardinals. You know, won three in a row since I started watching. I'm sorry, too. It's just, uh, this is, it just seems like coincidence. Yet at the same time, it's lining up, isn't it? This three-game window. Here it is, the NFC West. You, you want to talk about kicking it off for Hard Knocks right now. These guys got to be feeling really, really good about the fact they're going through this three-game window that exists for the Arizona Cardinals. Kicking off their in-season hard knocks. They got to be loving this. Kicking off in-season hard knocks, they have to have wins. It's these three games against division rivals. They struggle in the second (laughs) half of the season. Like DeAndre Hopkins is back. I'm sure Buda Baker screaming uh, going into the Seahawks game is going to be, maybe that's the opening scene. Yeah, you're right. HBO couldn't ask for a better setup, and obviously, totally natural. We've we've seen it firsthand here over the last eight weeks. We come back. Which games are we going to have our eyes on around the National Football League in Week Nine? We're going to tell you next with our NFL Five Star Games. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Five Star the NFL's best games as predicted by Ron Wolfley and Luke Lipinski, powered by FanDuel Sportsbook. I feel like we just did five-star games. I guess that was seven days ago, Wolf. This is, uh, this is the time of year when time flies. Obviously, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, the holidays, and the weather actually being kind of half-decent out there right now. Not bad, no doubt huh? about it, man. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen, shall we? All right. We, we didn't have any five-star games a week ago. We went through some games we liked, but no true five-star games. If I'm looking real hard this week, there are three games that stand out to me, Wolf, outside of the Cardinals game. And I would say the only one that, to me, I guess would hit the qualification. I don't know. I like two of these. But one that hits the qualifications <laughs> of the five-star game is uh, Tennessee and Kansas City are combined 10-4 and four right now in two very different styles of football. Now, it's the Sunday night game, and a lot of these primetime games haven't been all that great this season. But I will go ahead and give Tennessee and Kansas City Patrick Mahomes against Derrick Henry. I'll give that five stars. Yeah, you know what? Um, I think you're right on that one. I really do. The Kansas City Chiefs, certainly number three, I believe, in my power poll. I think they were number three in yours as well. Yeah. Yes, right. And I regret it. You they should be two. They should be two. But yeah. The Philadelphia Eagles, now 8 0, based on audience. Now 8 0, the Philadelphia Just Eagles. Handling the Houstons you know, once of the again, world. Okay, yeah, the Houston Texans, that's right. But you know what, honestly? Um, there is such a thing as a letdown and maybe not respecting your opponent yeah. at all. And they went out and took care of business. That's also a sign of a good team. Boy, I tell you, though, Philadelphia, and nice problem to have. I'm guessing 100% of their fans would have given up the undefeated season last night and lost to Houston in football to get a win over Houston in baseball, right? <laughs> you can have the undefeated season. It'll end. I'd rather be up 3-2 in the World Series. Can you imagine right now, honestly, being a fan of sports in Philadelphia? No. Come on, though. you got to be kidding me. Just yelling at people, eating cheesesteaks, um, and winning all the time. Throwing deep batteries at people. Well, that part, yeah, that's, that's, that's the foundation. So, I, I'm going to have to agree with you. I think the one five-star game in Week 9 of the National Football League, the Tennessee Titans traveling to play the Kansas City Chiefs right there. And I also 
love the fact that you're talking about two different teams and how they move the yeah. ball offensively. Patrick Mahomes, of course, the versus Derrick Henry and everything that Derrick Henry and the King is going to bring to the field, man. That's going to be a cool game to watch. Uh, I've got a couple other games I really like. I don't think I can make this a five-star game. But Tampa Bay plays the Rams this weekend, and that should be the sort of game where the loser is in serious trouble. I still think Tampa Bay wins that division. If the Rams lose this game, they are in serious trouble, being 3-5, and because I think we're going to see San Francisco go on a run here soon. And, you know, for whatever reason, Seattle is 5-3. and three. Tom Brady has been getting knocked around. I would not make this a four-star game. I would make it a three-star oh, game. definitely four based, stars. Based on their records right now, are you kidding me? Tom Brady is three and four, and Matthew Stafford is three and five. Now, obviously, that's a gross simplification of the facts. There's a team that is three and five and three and four, but think about that for a minute. Matthew Stafford, as I hit the post, Matthew Stafford in the world champion, defending champion, Los Angeles Rams at three and five right now, or three and four right now, and the Buccaneers at three and five. Think about that. The the one, I mean, they're both surprising that they are at this point. I just, and this is where you and I differ, I still think Tampa Bay comes back and wins this division. And I think when things start to go well for them, Brady's going to start to dial it in for a few weeks and just be like, look, this is my escape. I get that it's not right now because nothing's going well for the Buccaneers. But they are in a division where like eight wins might win you the division. The Rams don't have that luxury in the NFC West. I saw this stat the other day, Wolf. As much as everybody's kind of down on the NFC West, if you combine all the wins in a division, the NFC East is the strongest right now. The NFC West is third. It's not like it's not like the NFC West is at the bottom of the standings uh, around the league. So that's a big one for both those teams. Do you have any four-star games you like? I do not, as a matter of fact. Um, that one right there, too. I just want to say this quickly. Um, do you think this is a... This is a good opportunity for Tom Brady to get right against um, Aaron Donald because <laughs> no, right now um, there's easier ways to get right. Can I tell you right now? I, I wonder about how many sacks Aaron Donald might have, or how many sacks the Rams might have in this game because of all the attention Aaron Donald is going to have to get from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, it's not like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have gone out there and been a juggernaut offensively. They have. Um, this is going to be really interesting to watch how this team plays. So can can they protect Tom Brady? If, in fact, they can, I think, yeah, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can beat the Rams. But if they don't, if he gets knocked around, I think it's only going to highlight the fact that Tom Brady is in real trouble. Tampa Bay since week two. Lost to Green Bay, which doesn't look good right now. Lost to the Chiefs. Beat Atlanta, but you can make a case they should have, if not lost, at least been in a much more perilous position with that bad uh, roughing the passer call against Grady Jarrett. Lost to Pittsburgh, lost to Carolina, lost to Baltimore. They've lost five of six, and the only one of those games that was kind of questionable one way or the other was the win. So I hear what you're saying. Tampa's got issues. They've got real issues because their offensive line is beat up. I just, if they were in any other division except maybe the AFC South, I would write them off. 
But uh, in the division they are in, they are still very much alive. What do you think of Bills Jets? Not um, as like a five or a four star game. Yeah, I think the Jets have any chance? No, I don't. Me either. Um, I think that's a three star game because of it. The Buffalo Bills, the juggernaut that they are. Um, I, for me, I will tell you another three star game that I have: the Chargers at the Falcons. Yeah. Oh, interesting. The Chargers at the Falcons right now. You kind of like the Falcons this year, don't you? I do. I I like the Falcons. And now you're also talking to me about a Chargers team that I thought was going to be much better than what we have seen right now. Now you're sitting there. The Chargers are sitting there at 4-3. And and they're traveling to play the Atlanta Falcons, who are 4-4. Sneaky. Oh, the sneaky Atlanta Falcons at 4-4 right now. Would you say that's a surprise that they're there at 4? Oh, yeah. I would say that is a surprise. I still don't understand how they're doing it. Four and four. Watch their offense and what they're doing with Marcus Mariota. Very interesting. When you're talking about, oh, no, here we go. The O, of course, because of Mel sitting behind the She's glass. also wearing an Oregon Command shirt today. control. There it is, the O, Marcus 40 Mariota. 40-point favorites that, this week against Colorado. Okay, thank you very 40? much. 40 Take the over. Whoever feels comfortable betting a team minus 40. Yes, I, nobody. Why would you even have a line on that one? Because right? they're probably going to win by 43. Okay, right. Um, the Falcons, though, right now, blending the old and the new. If you watch them, there it is. It is. I love watching them play because you see it all. You see the diversity of personnel groups. You see the diversity of formations with shotgun, with pistol, with Marcus Mariota under center as well. You see it all. This is, man, the Atlanta Falcons. When I talk about what I'd like to see the Arizona Cardinals be capable of doing going forward, think of the Atlanta Falcons at 4-4 four and four right now. This game, think about it. The Chargers, they lose? They're sitting there at 4-4? Four and four? Wow. I thought he had, the Chargers were one of those sexy picks yeah. in the AFC for actually being in the AFC championship I, game. I, I thought at the start of the season, I think I even had them in my top five when we did our initial power pull to start the year. I think I had them fifth because, to me, Bill's Chiefs, in a class separate from everybody else. But then behind them, yeah. I liked the Chargers more than the Broncos. I'm not saying I thought the Broncos were going to be this bad. I just like the Chargers more than them. I like the Chargers more than the the, uh, the Bengals as well. But you're right. The Chargers, if they lose this week, are just a 500 team in a division. You can't really afford to be 500. And in. all of a sudden, you're telling me if the Atlanta Falcons beat them, they're 5-4. and four. <laughs> Yeah. Man, did not see that coming. Did not. I can tell you right now, I'm picking the Chargers in this game, though, and I'll probably be wrong. Okay, <laughs> I'm just gonna keep going. There's always like when you when you're in like a picks pool with your friends. There's always like two or three teams that just burn you all year, and you don't really realize it until like week twelve. And you're like, hey, I've gotten this team wrong every single week. Yeah. And there's like two or three teams to help you out too. What's a picks pool? It's, yeah, I'll explain right. okay. some other time. Uh, Seahawks Cardinals. Where would you put that one? Seahawks Cardinals. I should mention we're going to talk to Steve Kime here in about 20 minutes. He's going to join the show. Yeah, you know, I I put it as a three-star game right now because the Arizona Cardinals obviously have not performed the way that I thought they were going to. Uh, Three and five on the season right now. They have an awful lot to prove. Um, Even the five and three Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, Seattle Seahawks. Um, Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks. Such a definitive lyric. <laughs> it's just beautiful right now that Sully, Sully actually owns the Seattle Seahawks. Whenever you say the Seattle Seahawks, you can't, you can't, <laughs> you can't say that without thinking of him. 
<laughs> yeah, okay. It's true, but I can't laugh because they keep winning. They need to start losing so I can enjoy the this song This is again. it, though. I, I love this game coming up between the Arizona Cardinals, of course, and the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday because there is a this is the line, man. This is the metaphorical, quintessential line in the sand. What are you going to do I'm about gonna it? take nothing but special teams Step players when we play fulcrum football. that today. line. Step off that line. Declare. What are you going to do? Beat the Seattle Seahawks, and your season changes. All right, that was five-star games. When we come back, what should the Cardinals expect from Seattle in their second meeting in three weeks? We're going to ask the co-host of Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports 710 and Seahawks color analyst Dave Wyman next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.